what child is this? Throughout the past 2,000 years, theologians, historians, scholars, they've all been wrestling with that very question. What child is this? Some people will say he was just a prophet. Some people will say he's the king. Some people will say he's, he's just a teacher, a really good teacher. And some people will say he's a savior. Every single religion in the modern world accepts the fact that a baby named Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago to a man and a woman named Joseph and Mary. That man grew up to be a well-known religious speaker and led a group of men and women around Israel for over, th- for over three years. That man would eventually be tried for blasphemy. He'd be crucified, buried, and his body would eventually come up missing. No one would dispute you on those facts. Buddhists, Muslim, Mormons, atheists all agree to those facts. So what child is this? What we do with that question is the most important question that we can answer for this life and the world or the next to come. So what do we believe? What child is this? I think the best picture of what child is this can be found in Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 20. I have the the passage behind me. If you want to also follow along in your Bible, if you have it with you, feel free. For those of you who are visiting us today, my name is Joey. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just so blessed to be celebrating Christmas Eve with you all. It's, It's just such a blessing to see a packed house, and you see me running around trying to find seats for people. That is a a great problem to have. So thank you for joining us. Follow along as I read Colossians 1, starting at verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. I have two points for my message today. What child is this? And what child is this? I I didn't stutter. my, My points are exactly the same. Two points exactly the same. What child is this? So first off, what child is this? Colossians 1, it says, what child is this? He is the image of God. Now, as we go through this, in these short five verses, 
They're going to all look at who Jesus is, who the Bible says that Jesus is. And each one of these verses could be a sermon in themselves. So I'm just going to briefly touch on them as we go through. But first up, we see what child is this? He is the image of God. What does that mean to be an image? We can look in a mirror and we can see a reflection of ourselves, but nobody thinks that that reflection they're looking at is another person on the other side of it. We can make a copy on a copy machine, but doesn't it always seem like it just looks a little less than what the original looked like? When Paul says that Jesus is the image of God, He isn't saying that Jesus is a lesser copy or he's just a reflection. He means that Jesus is the exact likeness of God. He is the perfect image. In Genesis, we can see that every human being that has ever been created and ever will be born is born with the image of God inside of them. But Jesus is the perfect image. Paul is saying that Jesus is God fully. And Jesus actually says that himself in the Gospels. He says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So what child is this? He is the image of God. He's God. Moving on, what child is this? He is the creator. Next, Paul says that Jesus is the firstborn of creation. Does that mean that Jesus is a created being? Like saying that deacon is my firstborn means that there was a time before he existed. The term firstborn in this passage is not referring to a created order. It's not saying that Jesus was created by the Father. Jesus and the Father are one. There was never a time that Jesus did not exist. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the eternal Son of the Father. The term firstborn points to Jesus' importance, his preeminence, the fact that he was here before everything. In Jewish culture, the term firstborn refers to the rank of, or, of children in order for inheritance. The rest of verse 16 goes on to say that not only is Jesus the, the highest ranking of all of creation, he is the actual creator. Through Jesus, all things were created. He existed before creation and he ranks above all of creation. What child is this? He is ruler. As the firstborn of creation, Jesus has the authority of King of kings and Lord of lords. He has the authority as the Son of God over all of creation. In Matthew 11, Jesus says that the Father has given all authority over all of creation to him. And in Ephesians 1, it says, because of the cross, because of Jesus' work on the cross and his sacrificial life and his humility, that he has been given this authority. As we keep moving through these five incredible verses, we can see that this child is not only creator, but he is sustainer. 
the end of verse 17 says, through him all things are held together. Jesus didn't just create everything and then walk away. He's not just some distant, far-off God having no interaction with us. He didn't just set it all into motion and walk away and say, you're all on your own, go. No, he's here with us. He is present. He sent his spirit to live inside of us, to guide us, to lead us. He sustains everything. He keeps everything here going, and he always has, and he always will. What child is this? He is head of the church. Verse 18 says that. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. And he is the head of every single Bible-believing church in the world throughout all time. Matt and I and the leaders here, we're always asking the question, what does God want for this church? What is his plan? Where is he leading us? Every new person that has ever walked through those doors is because of Jesus leading and guiding them. Every successful event that has ever happened through this church or as a part of this church is only through the power of the Holy Spirit. As the head of the church, Jesus supplies it with life through his spirit. and He gives gifts to men and women and places these gifted people in his church that they might serve him where they are needed. No one person is the head of any church. It is Christ and Christ alone. And the men that lead it need to be submitting themselves to his leading and authority. Next, what child is this? He is resurrector. That is a very important point. Jesus didn't just come to earth and be born. As miraculous as the virgin birth was, the birth of a child is nothing special. He lived a good life following the commands of God But there have been a lot of good men in this world throughout the years. He also died on a cross, but that also doesn't make him important. Yesterday I pointed out that there was dozens of people, hundreds of people, possibly thousands of people who also died on crosses. None of that sets Jesus apart. The fact that he was the firstborn of the dead, that the tomb is empty. Jesus did not stay dead. He arose on the third day in fulfillment of Scripture, and he defeated sin. That is what sets him apart. The firstborn of the dead. And lastly, we can see in verse 20 that this child is reconciler, savior, and cleanser. That was the purpose of the miraculous birth. To reconcile us, to restore the relationship between us and God that we could never restore on our own. To save us from sin and death. And to cleanse us through his blood of every unrighteousness. All of these characteristics and attributes that Paul so clearly points out in these five verses point us to the fact that Jesus is not just a good person. 
He's not just a great teacher or just a prophet like so many other religions and the culture wants to say he is. These verses point us to the fact that he is the one and only Son of God. That he came to this earth as a baby to make a way for all of us to be forgiven of our sins. That is the point of Christmas. That is what we are celebrating here today. Praise God for this baby in a manger. The last two verses that we will look at today in Colossians 1 show us who we are if we have accepted the free gift of Jesus' forgiveness. So Colossians 1 again, just two verses, verses 21 and 22. It says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So our second point for today, what child is this? These last two verses point to who we are in Christ. These points are specific to those of us who are followers of Jesus, those of us who have accepted the gift of salvation. So what child is this? We are accepted. Verses 21 and 22 point us to that. It talks about being reconciled, adopted, and forgiven. What does it mean to be accepted? Isn't that what we are all searching for? Isn't that all what we're craving? Acceptance? The problem is that most of us look for acceptance in people and things. If they would just like me, I would be enough. Maybe if I had kids, then they would like me. If I get a good enough job, then I will be accepted. But the reality is that we were never created to find acceptance in other created things. We can only find acceptance in the Creator. And as I just pointed out, that is Jesus and Jesus alone. Verse 21 says that without the birth of Jesus, we were alienated, we were distant, we were hostile towards God. Without Jesus, we can never get to God. There would always be a chasm, a a great distance between us, and we could just never get to him. But Jesus made a way. Through a humble birth in a manger on that silent night, Jesus made a way for us to be accepted. What child is this? We are significant. I remember when I left my last church and I asked Andrea, what is my legacy? What will people remember me for? Many of us want that. We want a legacy. That is why when you drive through some small towns, you see a a library and a community center and a street named after somebody that you don't have any idea who they are. It's all about a legacy, It's significance. But again, we were not created to find significance in this world. 
in 150 years, it is probable that nobody will ever remember my name, let alone if I did anything good or bad. But through the blood of Jesus, I am significant as a follower of Jesus. And so are you. You are significant in the fact that through the birth, life, and death of Jesus, you have the ability to be holy, blameless, and above reproach. That is what we are truly celebrating this Christmas. That simply by accepting the the gift of salvation that Jesus is offering to each and every one of us that our significance can be found in him and all of our sins, past, present, and future, can be forgiven. Which brings us to our final point. What child is this? We are secure. We can have 100% assurance. We are his because he proved it with his blood. What could make you feel secure? What's that one thing that could give you security? Or better question, what makes you feel the most insecure? Money, the uncertainness of the future, your health, your children. What makes you feel the most insecure? Maybe it's salvation. Maybe you said a prayer when you were six years old in some children's ministry But you've made a lot of mistakes since then and you've stumbled and you've wandered away from God and maybe you have wandered back from time to time. Maybe tonight you've wandered back in not knowing why, how, or just to please somebody. But you always have that nagging feeling of insecurity. How can you truly know if you are accepted by God? Scripture. That is how you can know. Look back at verses 19 and 20 with me. Like I said, we can have 100% assurance in our salvation because of this manger and because of the cross. You and I belong to Jesus. He paid for all of our sins with his royal, precious blood. The gospel of John is also a fantastic place to find this assurance as well. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that whoever believes shall have eternal life. Whoever. This is open to anyone. And then John 10, 29 talks about those that God has given, those that have accepted that gift. Jesus holds them in his hand. And then God holds Jesus' hand. That is assurance. There is nothing else getting us out of the hands that the Father and the Son hold us, never letting go. We can have assurance in our salvation. All of these verses point to our security in Christ. Our security as Christians is not found in in our baptism or being a good moral person. It isn't isn't even found in our church attendance, although that is very important to grow and thrive. If you are basing your security on the simple fact that you are attending church, you're always going to be coming up short. 
Jesus died one death for the forgiveness of all sins. And we can be secure in knowing that even if we have slipped and we have wandered from God, He will always be here waiting to accept us back. You may need to refocus on Jesus a bit, on His words and His commands. If you feel like that that nagging feeling of insecurity, if you just can't know what your salvation is, you just may need to refocus. And we would love to help you with that. Either Matt or I or maybe even somebody that you came with, we'd love to help you refocus on God's word and his promises. One of these three points has certainly struck a nerve for one of you, maybe for all of you. If not all of those points may have struck a nerve for you. We all want to be accepted, significant, and secure, but we search for it in all the wrong places. We want provisions far more than God ever gave to Jesus, and not just from God, but from the world too. We want to be accepted for who we are, but Jesus never was. He was rejected. We want praise and adoration and to be significant. There was nothing significant about a manger birth. Jesus desired to be made less so the Father could be more. We want to be secure, held, heard, loved. But God trusted that Mary and Joseph, simple, mortal humans, would raise his son in the ways that he should go. Jesus' security came in his faith. He was faithful through persecution and rejection. Jesus' security came in knowing that he would surely die. Because of the baby in the manger is all of these things, we have the ability for all of those. Because of the pain that God felt that we talked about yesterday, the pain that God felt by giving up his son, we get the joy. And I know at Christmas time, sometimes it can be painful and it can be hard, but we can't sit there. We can't dwell there. The pain and the hurt and the struggles of this world will always be there. But know that the Savior was born to give you hope, to give you something so much greater than this world can offer. During those moments today, tomorrow, next week, next year, when you are feeling angry, lonely, depressed, those are the moments to press into Jesus, the only one who can give you true acceptance, significance, and security. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this passage in Colossians. I thank you for your humble birth. I thank you that you are God that you are the firstborn of the dead, that you resurrected, that we can have new life in you, that you have reconciled us, you have restored the relationship to God that none of us could do without you. I praise you 
for the fact that we can find acceptance, security, and significance in you. And I know that there are moments when even I will slip into trying to find all of those things of this world and of people around me. God, in those moments, remind me, pull me back for everyone here as well to draw them back to you. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.